We are week five of CORE, and uh, this is a no-pressure statement, but how many of you are the overachievers that came all five weeks? Come on, be proud. Be proud. There we go. There we go. And if you put your hand up and you just lied, you're in church. Yesterday, uh, I, right after I found out that we were moving here, uh, I signed up for a race. This is a free story that ties in at, at no place, but I'll try to make it tie in. That uh, I signed up for a race because I was like, I, I got to keep fit. And for me, you know, race goals, like those are all great things for me. And so I signed up for the Baltimore Half Marathon. And I almost signed up for the full, but I was like, Chris, there's no way with moving your entire life across country and starting a new place that uh, you'd have time to do all that. So my training was going great. And uh, then uh, uh, the move happened. And uh, then my calves started giving me fits. And uh, so my training plan not only just slowed down, it ceased to exist. So uh, I did what every good person does. You just, you just live in denial that the race is coming until the race happens. And so uh, yesterday morning we woke up and uh, a good friend of mine flew in and uh, we, we, uh, we, we changed the word race because uh, we, we weren't really racing. We called it the tour of Baltimore. <laughs> and uh, and we, we gutted through a, a half marathon in a pretty respectful time. So if, I'm, if I get up from the chair a little slowly, you'll just know why. Or if I just fall over asleep, you'll know why. Uh, but... Uh, Five weeks ago, we looked at this word together, right? And it was based out of Acts chapter 2, and that when we together, the church, when we pray together and worship together and learn together and eat together and hang out together, when we're together, God produces this catalytic movement that changes culture. That's why I moved my entire family out here, to be part of another catalytic movement that can change culture just like I was part of in Las Vegas. Then we kind of went into this three-week stretch, which I called the Epic Trilogy, right? Love, grace, and trust. Love was all about us loving God unconditionally, but the tough part is when we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. When we have to love the unlovable, the unlikable, the people that hurt us, and we're supposed to love them just like God continues to love us. Then we looked at grace. There's this gap that separates us from God. What separates us, it's our sin. And grace fills the gap. Christ died on the cross, not because of anything you and I have done, right? It's not what we have to do for it. He died for us, for our sin, to fill the gap. And then last week, we looked at this word, uh, trust. And uh, if you were here last week, and uh, it was uh, nice light-hearted, unemotional service, and uh, that I think it took me uh, three days to recover from. But, you know, how, how do we trust God when life just crashes in on us? How do we trust God when we can't answer why? How do we trust God when uh, the unthinkable occurs? How do, how do we trust God when all of our emotional being just screams at us to go the other way. How do, we, how do we trust God? Right? Because trust isn't, you can't trust God at 87%. You either trust God with all of your life or you don't. So today we were looking at this word grow. Grow. 
How do we grow in our faith? What does that look like? And what I know in this room today, all of us, every single one of us, are at a different place spiritually, which is awesome to think about. There's not one of us at the same exact spot. For some of you, you don't even know about this God thing, this Jesus thing. But it's good music. There's cool people here. Hey, why not? You have nothing going on during this hour. So you show up. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. But I challenge you, keep pushing forward. Get your questions answered. When you get stuck, find someone to help unstuck you. Or would it be unstick you? Which one is it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Unstick? Yeah. That's, that, that thought right there, I promise, will tie in in a little bit when I talk about grammar. So remember that. Like, you need someone, right? For some of you, you've just crossed this line of faith, and, and you're going, well, I'm excited, but now what? And so you do what most people do. And I tell you, I've met so many people who have done this. You know, they, they, they come to church or they, they accept Christ. They kind of cross that line. They're like, okay, I'm excited. I'm excited. I need to know more. I need to know more. I'm going to read the Bible. And you do what's logical, right? You start at the beginning, right? Which is great. You start in Genesis, which is really some cool stories. And you're like, oh, Genesis is awesome. And then Exodus, awesome. And then you hit Leviticus. And you stop. Why? Because no one should ever read Leviticus. You just shouldn't. If you could, you could just rip it. Don't rip because that's the Bible. But right, like just ignore Leviticus and then keep moving, right? But you get stuck in Leviticus and you're like, oh, I can't make my way through it. My dad challenged me a couple years ago because you need to study Leviticus. And I got really excited because, you know, it's my dad. He challenges me. I'm like, okay. Uh, chapter two, I was like, I can't do it. I just threw in the white flag. I was like, I can't. But it is a good book, kind of. It's in the Bible. For some of you, uh, You've walked with God, you know, for more years than you can imagine, but you haven't been part of a church community. Why? Uh, the list of reasons of why are probably pretty long and probably pretty tangled. You might not even really know why you walked away from church. But this is what I know is we, we slap our church experience with God, don't we? If our church experience is going really good, usually our faith, our relationship with God is going good. But when something bad happens, not like anything ever bad happens at church. When something bad happens at church, guess what you do? You start moving away from God. For some of you, that's been your journey. And you come into this place with, I mean, truckloads of baggage from church. And you're now you're trying to figure this thing out again. You're finally at the point, I'll give church another shot. And let me just right now, lower the expectation. Church is messy because you and I are messy. Not because God wants church to be messy, but God knows that you and I, right, we have issues, right? 
We have expectations that aren't fair. Relationally, we create conflict and are part of conflict, yet we hate it. And we come into church with all of our sin, but we wonder why church is messy. It's church. It should be perfect. Come on. I mean, just look around. Oh, don't look around you. But think about around. I mean, I promise you, my kids aren't perfect. And if you think the pastor's kids should be perfect, <laughs> I got stories for you. They're kids. For some of you, you're on a really good path spiritually. I mean, you're really growing. And maybe to a point where you say to yourself, man, Sunday mornings, I'm just, I'm not growing anymore. I'm not going deep. I want to go deep. I'd love to have that conversation with you because I still don't understand what deep means. And you'll, you'll hear more about that today. But I, I don't, I don't understand what that means. But you're feeling it. I felt it before. But you want to keep growing because, right, we're either growing closer to God or we're moving away. Right? Think about fitness. You're either getting in better shape or worse shape. Uh, you, there's no, like, like, perfect middle ground where you're like, I'm just perfectly in the same form and shape that I was a year ago. Right? You can't think about how much effort that would mean for you to never increase or decrease your physical fitness possible, right? Just like any of your relationships, your wife, your husband, your kids, either you're, you're growing closer to those people or away. Same thing with God. There's no pause button. So today we're going to look at this growth word. How do we continue to grow? And if you're thinking right now that I'm going to give you the 12-step plan that's going to last you 365 days, it's going to be this perfect plan that if you follow these plans and mark these boxes that you will be spiritually deep it's not going to happen today. We'll get to some action steps at the end. You're not going to get that. I'm going to take all of us back to the core piece of spiritual growth. Give me a little freedom here, because at first you might, you, you might go, what is he talking about? Keep with me. For some of you, you might go, ah, I think I know what he's talking about. That's cool, too. If you don't, if you think I've kind of gone off left, that's okay. Just keep with me, and we'll get there. Because I want all of us to walk out today going, okay, how do I grow in my faith? How do I keep moving towards God? That's the end goal. So where are we going to start? We're going to start at the very, very, very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. And this is where we're going to start our spiritual growth plan, Okay? There's two verses that we're going to really focus in on right now. It's verse 26. It says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They'll reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There's this concept that's woven throughout the Bible, of the image of God. And you'll see that kind of as this under, undertone that kind of goes throughout the Bible, where 
in Genesis 1, we were created in God's image. And there's kind of two sides to this thought. There's one, one is that we reflect God's image, but that we're also this representation of who God is. It's called the Imago Dei, the image of God. Okay, hold, hold, this, hold that thought right there. We're going to come back to it. We have to jump over to 2 Corinthians, because these pieces go together. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says this, For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the, Lord, uh, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That one part, that we are to reflect the glory of the Lord. The word reflect literally means mirror. That we are a mirror. And here's a concept, right? If we are created in God's image, right? In the image of him, his character, his love, not our definition of love, but who he is, he is a definition of love. If we are made in his image, we are to reflect that. Think of a mirror, right? A mirror reflects what it's facing, right? For some of you, you love the mirror. For some of you, you hate mirrors, right? But mirrors just reflect whatever it's facing. So when we face God, we reflect him. But what happens when we move away from him? But when we face him, we start reflecting who he is, his character. When we face God, we get our significance from him. But when we turn away, where do we get our significance from? But what pushes us away? Because, right, in concept, you're like, yeah, great, let's just face God. That's awesome. That's easy. But we don't, do we? What pushes us away from facing God? Pride? Ego? Trying to get our self-worth from everyone else and not from God? Trying to get our significance from other people and not God? Right? We could keep going on that list, but you, you get it, right? And so our sin pushes us away, and we will, start, we will reflect. It's a matter of what are we going to reflect. But when we face God, when we face God, not only do we reflect him, but now we reflect him to the world. Think about that thought for a second. You want to know why churches are so messy and people look at God and the church and they put them like this? Because people look at you and I and they go, well, wow, they go to church And if that's what the church is, that's what God must be. 
Why? Because we reflect. When we're facing God, we're reflecting God. But it's when we turn away from him, guess what we start reflecting? Not him. Set that piece right there. It's going to tie in. Something else interesting is happening in Genesis 1. And it gets to the heartbeat of us reflecting God's image and how he's created us to be. How he's hardwired us. Because one of the things is we are hardwired relationally. Relationships are at the core of who we are, right? I mean, think about Facebook. Whether you like it or not, right? It's all about relationships, connecting people in kind of a weird false sense, but it is. Think about the issues going on in your life right now. Maybe it's a family issue, maybe it's a work issue, maybe what, what brings you stress? What gets you emotionally amped? I would promise you, not knowing where you're at and what you're dealing with, that an extremely high percentage, I'm talking the high 90%, are all tied, all your stress, your emotion, your angst, is tied up in something relationally, isn't it? There's relationships tied into that. Why? We're relational beings. We really are a sum total of our relationships. Think, think about this. You remember that kind of, uh, maybe you're in this age range, uh, probably you know, you've moved past it, but remember that age range, and I'm not sure exactly when it was, somewhere in your early 20s-ish, where you kind of had this thought where you are your own person, you think independently, you dress independently, you act independently, you are you. And also one day you realized that how you think, how you perceive, how you act is your mom or your dad, right? That moment when you're parenting your kids and that word, that phrase comes out of your mouth and you're like, I'm turned into my dad. I have an awesome dad, but I have those moments all the time. I'm like, I, I can hear his, his voice in my head coming out of my mouth. That argument or intense discussion with your spouse, right? You hear your mom, you hear your parents, and you're, right? We're the sum total of our relationships. We can fight against it, yes. We can try to overcome some of those obstacles, yes. It's how we're made. Look at this. This is really, really cool. Genesis 1, verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. Okay, this is a really big theological point, okay? Let's focus on this singular pronoun, okay? Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm English stupid, as you could hear earlier, right? I, I don't understand grammar. I, I never have. I'm that guy. Two plus two equals four. That's logical, right? Always equals four. No matter how you add two plus two, it will always equals four. I don't understand 
this is a little tangent. I don't understand why some words start with an F and some start with a PH. Does it make any sense? Seventh grade, my parents were like, well, look it up in the dictionary. Because I was like, I don't know how to spell this word. They said, look it up in the dictionary. So what did I do? Three hours I spent in the F section of the dictionary for them to finally say, well, son, it doesn't start with F. I'm like, well, it sounds like it. Sorry, I'm bitter. Okay, he, singular pronoun, very important, okay, very important. In the middle of this creation story, very important. We skip to uh, verse 16. God made two great, great lights, the, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. Another very important singular pronoun, he, singular. But did you catch in verse 26 and 27 that I wrote just, read just a few, few moments ago? Then God said, let us, again, I'm not a grammar expert, but I know this, us is plural. Let us make human beings in our, plural, image to be like us, plural again. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and the wild animals and the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his, we went back to singular. Either God has a multiple personality disorder, which would be a whole other concept to, to debate and think about, or something amazing is going on here. You see, the word God in the Hebrew in Genesis 1 is the word Elohim. El, E-L, is, is the word for God. And when you add the I-M to it, it makes words plural. So God, Elohim, throughout Genesis is plural. He's plurality. And we find him bouncing between this he, singular, and plural, our. It's where uh, this word, the Trinity, comes from. Triune, right? Three and one. We see it really come to uh, life when uh, Jesus was being baptized. Incredible moment in Matthew. Jesus, God the Son, is getting baptized. God the Spirit is descending out of the clouds like a dove. And then you hear God the Father's voice, an amazing picture of an amazing God. But here's the point in all of this, is God in of himself is in community with himself. He's in relationship with himself. Maybe you've never thought about that before, but think about it. The God of the universe is in community with himself himself. And no wonder why we are relational beings, because we are made in his image. We are made to be relational. We are made for community. That's why the church is so important. It's not about a building. It's about relationships. But when we're reflecting God, relationships are amazing, because guess what? We don't need our significance from other people because we're getting it from God. When we're facing God and reflecting him, no matter what other people do to us, guess what? It doesn't matter because we realize his love is significant for all people and his grace in our lives is significant not only for us, but for all people. And we realize that he has forgiven us infinite number of times, so we have to forgive. But what happens when we turn away from God and we start facing the mirror, which is us, on other people? We start needing our significance from what? 
everyone else. And so people don't meet our expectations. And so people hurt us. And we say, how could they? Instead of saying, wow, I have to forgive. Because that's God's image. It's his character. And it's why some of you have walked away from the church. Because you say, how could they? And I would say to you, just face God. Because you start understanding his love and his forgiveness and his grace and his holiness. And you realize your significance comes from him, not anyone else. How does this play out? Think about it in marriage. If you're facing God, your number one desire is to serve your spouse. Just to serve him, serve her. Whether they deserve it or not whether you like them or not. But what happens is we start facing and we try to get our significance from that person. And one of two things happens. One thing is we don't say anything to them because if we say something and they stop loving us, if we say something that's absolutely true, and they turn their back on us, if we do something, they'll walk away. And if they walk away, all of my significance goes where? So one group of people just, you don't say anything. Because the thought of you not getting significance and love and acceptance from that person is so devastating to you. Why? Because you stop reflecting God. The other group of, of people in here, you're, you say something because you're going to demand their love, demand their respect. You're going to try to get them up to a place where it's acceptable to you. And so you crush them because you're putting all your significance on their shoulders instead of facing God and serving them. And that whole concept, whether it's a husband, a wife, you as a father, a mother, a boss, an employee, or just a member of Renaissance Church, is what happens. And I would just challenge all of you. If your relational world is a mess, which I probably would have to say it is to some degree, you've got to start reflecting God's image. Now, you might be thinking, well, Chris, that's a great concept, and it's one of those high concepts, but I have to walk out of here today and just reflect God's image. That's kind of nebulous. Here we go. Colossians chapter 3. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 1. It says that Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. It is so cool. We have someone to look to. It's Jesus. If we want to reflect who God is, guess what? Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. Get to know Jesus. And I know some of you are like, Chris, I've been in church 30 years. I've been in church longer than you've been alive. You're going to tell me get to know Jesus? Yes, I am. Get to know Jesus. Because 
For some of you, it's been the pursuit of knowledge. If I know more, I'll grow more. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Don't. Knowledge is important. Knowledge is really important. But it's not the only piece. James 2 says, faith without deeds is dead. Even the demons believe and they shudder. See, it's not just about knowing, 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 knowing. If you know, if I memorize a whole Bible, I will grow my faith. Shoot, if I memorize a whole Bible in English and then in Greek, and I don't even know Greek, I'll be really smart and I'll grow, I'll go deep. No, 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 no. What I would say to you is, how are you living that out? Do this for me. Wherever you're at spiritually, if you want to know who Jesus is, start with Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and live out those verses. And if you come up to me next week and said, yeah, I read all of them, I'm living them out, I might laugh in your face. I won't do it behind your back because that wouldn't be right. I want to reflect God because God's laughing. Okay? I mean, I pro- you're, you're going to get stuck in Matthew 5, the first four, five, six, seven verses. You're going to get stuck. You're going you're gonna to say, I, I hate this new guy. I, I, don't, I don't want to do Five, six, and seven, wherever you're at spiritually. If you've been a Christ follower for 50 years, start there and take James 2 and start living it out. I mean, there's verses that Jesus said. It's his words. It's a little red print. It makes it easy. How many times should I forgive? Jesus says 70 times seven, which means infinite. Put that to practice in your life. In about three minutes. Because some of you are choosing not to forgive someone. And I'm not saying they deserve it or not. The last time I checked, you and I, we don't deserve God's forgiveness, right? The Bible never says forgive someone if they ask for it. Forgive someone if they deserve it. Forgive someone if they're nice to you again. Forgive someone if they write in a letter of apology. Forgive someone if, right? If you find that verse, please bring that to me. Please do. It's not in there. It says forgive. Why? When we're reflecting God's image, guess what we do? We forgive. Because that's who he is. You want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. He's a visible representation of the invisible God. So, walking out of here today, get to know Jesus. Not just knowledge. Important. Put into action. Do what he says. Live your life out like he lived his life out. Start there. Start with Matthew 5. It will change you. Why? It will force you to start reflecting him. It will. When you start living those principles out. I had this guy that, uh, oh man, intense. Uh, Like to the point where... uh, you know when you start doing those mental games in your head? Like, I really want to get this guy. This, this is the dark side of me. I wanted to get this guy in that UFC octagon and just go at it. 
And mentally, I just started just, oh, going to war my head against this guy. And about a year ago, I came to that point spiritually where I realized how unhealthy and evil and dark that was. So you know what I started doing? And this, this has changed me. Every time those evil thoughts come to my, my, my mind, I start praying for the guy. Try it. Dark and light can't live together, right? Every time his name, and I, I start to go there because I really do want to get him into the octagon. <laughs> I pray for him. And you, know what God, you know what I'm doing? I'm refacing God again. Say, okay, God, help me reflect you. Last thought is next weekend. Um, we've been talking about this Beatles series. And uh, um, I, great, I got an email this week from, from someone who said, I've invited five people, and I think they're all coming. I was like, oh, that's so good. But we've, we've tried to make the pathway so easy for all of you. We made up these really cool invites. Remember, these are just cool invites. You don't have to have a ticket to come to church. Um, they're just cool invites. But uh, we're going to learn a lot of cool stuff. I'm really excited about kind of the teaching side of, to all this. Uh, but it's a great, easy way because the music's going to be killer. I mean, it's the Beatles. And uh, it's a great, easy way for you to invite someone to church. For some of you, here we go. For some of you, you're not going to. Because you're so, and you fill in the blank with whatever word you want. I'm going to put a word there, and I don't want you to say, I don't like that word. You cannot like it, but you have to fill the blank with a word. For some of you, you're so afraid, fill in the blank, of what someone might say to you when you invite them that you're not going to. And he, this, is, this, is, this message isn't this philosophical thought today. It's all practical. When you face God, when you face God and you reflect him, guess what you do? I said this at the very beginning. You reflect him to the world. Don't you? And you don't care what they think. I mean, you do it with grace and love, right? You don't just jam an invite in their face, right? Like, you handle it right, but right, you reflect him. All this is about is us as a church reflecting God. And he wants to use you to reflect him. And your significance isn't going to come from whether they say yes or no, whether they like you or not, whether they give you a promotion or not, whether they invite you to play golf or not. Your significance doesn't come from that. It comes from God saying, no, reflect me to the world. Because he wants you to do that. It's not my job to do that. I hope you know that. It's not the pastor's job. It's our job. Because if we reflect God, we're going to reflect him to the world. So, Grab invite tickets. We have this really cool e-invite thing. Again, we're trying to make it so simple because we know how busy all of you are. You can go to renaissancechurch.org backslash ish, I'm not sure, Beatles, or just click on the front page. It'll take you to this really cool Beatles landing page, and you can hit invite a friend, right? And uh, invite a friend. Uh, it's real simple, real simple. And the last thing is we have a really cool parking map. I know some of you are like, really? You're now at parking map levels? Yeah, because if people can't find us, right? How do they know where to come? 
So we have this really cool parking lot. You see the red boxes? It's easy. That's parking. And then there's this big like We made it easy. You can download that and email that to a friend and say, that's where we're at. We want to make it easy for people to be a part of this community. Cool? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. And I thank you for who you are and for us to be a part of uh, what you're doing. Uh, Lord, I just pray. I pray for all the invites that are going to go out. And Lord, that your spirit will be ahead of us, working on people's hearts and minds. And Lord, I just pray that we'll work desperately to face you and reflect you. You know, I pray. Amen. God bless. Have an amazing week.